lesson this morning will be passing out a worksheet. And our Bibles will be over in Mark chapter 5. We were able to read this earlier. Matt read us in that, lead, that reading of Mark chapter 5, 1 through 20. Jesus is going to come in an area called Gadara, often called the Gadarene area or the Gerasene area. So you'll see on the screen the Gadarene uh, demons. Okay. I can see that just fine, by the way. Jesus had uh, just did a very miraculous thing of calming a storm on the sea. He came to the eastern part of the Sea of Galilee, and one comes to meet him uh, who uh, has demons. We have this account, not only here in Mark chapter 5, but also in Matthew uh, chapter 8 and Luke uh, chapter 8. So any of these accounts, of course, bring us uh, the truth of what happens here with Jesus. We know the ultimate end of the devil and demons Matthew 25, 41, Jesus said that those on his left hand will hear these words on the judgment day, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So these demons, these angels of Satan, these This one we know as Satan, the adversary. Their place of torment is fixed, prepared forever. We don't want to be there. So we'll begin our study this morning. And we'll simply notice some general facts about demons. And then we'll notice a few facts about this particular Uh, account of Jesus coming into the area of the Gadarenes, and then uh, we'll notice some lessons that are important for us. So if you look upon your sheet, facts about demons, number one, uh, demons were evil spirits. Demons were evil spirits, also sometimes called, in fact, here in this account, Jesus calls them unclean spirits, okay? So really couple answers there, evil spirits and unclean uh, spirits. Luke 24, 39 teaches us that a spirit does not have flesh and bones. A spirit does not have flesh and bones. God is spirit, John 4, 24. These ones known as demons 
do not have a body, but they're spirit uh, beings. Number two, demons were permitted to inhabit. Inhabit. To inhabit the bodies of some people during the days of Christ and the apostles. So spirit beings able to go into the bodies of some people. Also, according to Matthew 12, there, 43 to 45, evidently some would just dwell in a house. Sometimes they would take up a residence in a house. The demons were permitted to inhabit the bodies of some people. Number three, demons often tortured uh, their victims, both, both physically and mentally. You've read uh, these accounts uh, many times, I'm sure. Sometimes the victim will be foaming at the mouth. Sometimes the victim will just fall into a fire or just fall into water in a helpless way. Sometimes be uh, just cast down on the ground. Sometimes the demon is speaking out from the body uh, of the victim. And we'll see a little bit more about this here in just a minute. Number four, uh, the purpose of these occurrences was to show the superiority of God's power the superiority of God's power over Satan's. One of the main reasons God allowed uh, demons to possess folks during the life of Christ, during the days of the apostles, was to, for us to have no doubt uh, who has uh, the upper hand, who has the power. Matthew twelve twenty eight, Jesus said, If I by the Spirit of God cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. It's a great statement. The Lord says, Matthew 12, 28, If I, by the Spirit of God, cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has, is coming upon you. The kingdom there in reference really to the power of God. Of course, Jesus would bring the kingdom in an organized way, known as the church, to the earth, yes. But Jesus being king and bringing the kingdom also oftentimes represented his power. So this was to show that uh, the Lord has the power, the ultimate power. And number five, demon possession and the power to bring them out uh, ceased. It ceased. It went away when the New Testament was uh, completed. So those are just some general facts. There are many more about demons, but just to get us started uh, in that direction. And now coming to uh, these accounts here in... Mark chapter 5, Matthew 8, Luke 8. Uh, notice a couple of um, facts about this story. Uh, number one, there were actually two men possessed uh, in this account. And Mark, the account in Mark only brings out one person uh, talking to Jesus. But if you look at the other accounts, actually two men are possessed uh, with these demons. Then also, number two, these demons were fierce. These demons were fierce. They would try to bind these men, put chains on them, to keep them away from people, and they would just burst out of the chains. And you'll read also in these accounts that no man would go in the direction of these men possessed with these, with these demons. People stayed far away. These, these demons were fierce. 
were fierce. Also in this account of Jesus and the Gadarene uh, demons, uh, these demons um, led this man to do three things. Three things. First, uh, to cut himself, cut themselves. Secondly, to be without clothes. And thirdly, to live among the tombs. Live in the cemetery. So we said just a moment ago about facts about demons is they would torture their victims. And here, these demons are torturing these men. Causing them to cut themselves. Causing them to be so miserable they didn't want their clothes on. And then also to live among the tombs. Some of this is not really... um, Explainable in some ways. It's just, it's just really mysterious. And then the fourth fact about this particular account is these demons uh, speaking to Jesus, ask Jesus for permission uh, to go into the, the, a herd of pigs that were, uh, that were nearby. And Jesus granted them that permission and the pigs, uh, upon receiving the demons, ran in a wild way off a steep embankment and into the sea and then they... Drown, but the man who is healed of his demon possession is found with Jesus being clothed and in his right mind. And so there are many valuable lessons for us to glean from this particular occasion. Let's think about just a few of these. The first one is, oh, the power that Jesus displayed. Oh, the power that Jesus displayed. We just can't get over this. I can't get over this. Okay. The great power that Jesus displayed while he was here on this earth. Now, think about how many demons are in this man or these two men? How many demons? Well, the demon says, my name is Legion. Legion. In the Roman military, a legion was... 6,000 men. 6,000 men. Quite possibly, thousands of demons have come in to possess these two men. Think about for a minute the power of Jesus. And think about His power in this way. There is no question about whether or not Jesus is going to be able to do this. It's just a matter of where. There's no question that that the demons know very well that Jesus is about to to take them into another location. They know who He is. They know His power. It's not a matter of if He's going to do this, but just where is this going to happen? And how is this going to take place? And then think about this. Here in Mark chapter 5, it tells us how many pigs are in this herd. How many are there? Who's looking at your Bible? How many pigs are in this herd who are grazing nearby? How many? 2,000. 2,000. Think about that. 2,000. Can you think about how much territory 2,000 swine would cover? Think about it. The 2,000 pigs were out here around our building. 
Think about how that would look. 2,000. Two, can you imagine 2,000 pigs all moving in the same direction at the same time? Can you imagine the type of dust that would stir up? Can you imagine the sound behind this? Can you imagine the splash and the sound of 2,000 pigs going into the sea at the same time? Splash. Back in our younger days, Took, we would take an annual, at least an annual trip to Six Flags. And they had this thing called Splash Mountain. Okay. The best thing about Splash Mountain is not to ride Splash Mountain, but to be on the little bridge where you would receive the benefits of that splash on a hot July day. That was great, Splash Mountain. This is the original Splash Mountain. Here in Mark chapter 5. Can you imagine the incredible scene that this was? No wonder the herdsmen left and tell, to tell everybody. Can you imagine being the eyewitness to this? The power of Jesus. Don't ever forget about the great power of our Lord. Now, there are a few people who will come along and say, well, um, this is not exactly what took place. I was reading a commentator who in some places he will say some pretty decent things about scripture but in this particular place he really left the ball field. He said here's what happened. Here's what here is no here's how he said it. Here is likely what happened. This man was having some problems and Jesus was trying to help him with his problems and in the course of their conversation the man raised his voice And when he raised his voice, it spooked the pigs, and the pigs took off and ran. All all 2,000 of them. Well, of course, we know that's not what happened. Jesus was displaying his power so that people would know that God's power is superior than Satan's, and that Jesus is indeed uh, the Son of God. You know, Jesus' miracles were real, and the, the miracles that the followers of Jesus did in these days were very real. There are four marks of a true miracle. Okay. And let's, let's review those right quick. Four marks of a true miracle. A first of the witnesses. There's got to be plenty of witnesses, credible witnesses. And there were, there were the herdsmen here, and there were other people that came out of the city to observe this. Uh, there were plenty of witnesses, credible witnesses. Second, it's instantaneous. Okay. It shouldn't take more than just a, a, a minute or two, a second or two, to do a miracle. That's Bible miracles. It's instantaneous. Third, it's able to be seen and heard. Okay. Not something somebody tells you. Not something you feel. It's something you, it's, it's credible because you are able, able to observe it with your senses. And they were able to both see and hear this miracle. And then a fourth mark of a true miracle is that it has a lingering impact. Okay, you don't, it's unforgettable. And that's the case of this miracle of Jesus and the others uh, that he did. The power of Jesus in our life. Here's, here's the big lesson for us. God's power shown in one area is proof that God's power exists in another area. 
That's the lesson that, that just came to me at least, okay? God, when God shows His power in one area, that's proof that He has plenty of power to do it in another area as well. And of course, we don't just say things. We've got to see them in Scripture. Look back with me. Well, turn over with me to Acts chapter 1 for a second. Acts chapter 1. I think this is a great lesson, not because I say it, just because Jesus has brought it out to us. Beginning in verse 9, Jesus now has ascended up into heaven, or is about to, Acts 1 verse 9, and when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were going into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here gazing into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The same power that took Jesus into heaven will be the same power that brings him back to do the judgment day and to meet us in the air. God's power in one area is proof that God has the power to, uh, to take care of us in another area. Okay. Now, notice this also going back to Mark chapter 2. By the way, concerning the power of Jesus, it would be great if we had the time just to look at all the miracles that Jesus did just leading up to Mark chapter 5. Okay. He heals a leper, Mark chapter 1. He heals a man with a withered hand, Mark chapter 3. And here in Mark chapter 2, the lame man is brought in where Jesus was teaching. You remember this. And Jesus tells him his sins are forgiven. And the, the Jewish people complain about Jesus saying that. And then here we go. Mark chapter 2, verse uh, 9. Jesus said, which is easier for me to say? Your sins are forgiven or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins... I say to this paralytic, I say to this lame man, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he arose immediately, took up his bed, and he went home before all of them. Notice how the idea here is that the power of God in one area, here in Mark 2, being able to heal this lame man, shows that Jesus has the power also to forgive us of our sins. Okay. And this is the ideal behind the power of Jesus, at least in our minds this morning. We need to relish this. We need to stand upon this. Does God have the power to provide our needs? Does God have the power to deliver us out of temptation? Yes, He does. Why do we know that? Because of all of these wonderful accounts that we read about in the life of Jesus. We need to stand upon this. We need to let this sink into our souls We don't ever need to forget this. We need to let this build our faith as much as possible. So that's lesson number one. Oh, the power of Jesus. Lesson number two. The reaction of the local citizens is curious. The reaction of the local citizens are curious. The answers are on the screen, but kind of out of order there, but you see it. Number three there. The reaction of the local citizens is curious. What, what I should have said there is, oh, the foolishness of human beings. What I should have said. Oh, the foolishness of human beings. Because 
Jesus does his miracle. The herdsmen go away. They tell people, and people come and they observe and say, yep, this is the man that was possessed with demons, and yes, he is here clothed in his right mind. And what is their reaction? They ask Jesus to leave. Jesus, leave our borders. They dismissed Jesus. Why would they do this? Well, because sometimes we're just foolish. It's foolish. But it's an interesting question. Why would you dismiss Jesus? The, the man who just showed the great power of God, he completely changed a maniac's com- whole condition of body and mind. He just cast out demons... Obviously the power of God. 2,000 pigs just went into the sea. And the man who, who, the the one who did this, you are now going to send, you want him to leave your borders? Why is this? Let me offer just a couple of suggestions. One may be that change is hard. To change, to repent is hard work. It's much easier to follow the same old path you've been on than it is to, to change. To change. Why is it that the alcoholic will continue to want his drunken state instead of getting sober? Why is it that a church will want to continue to slumber instead of be, have a revival? Why is it that people would choose slavery over freedom? Why is it that people would choose hatred over love and continue to do this? Why do we continue in our bad habits? Why would we continue to choose uh, the traditions of men over the doctrine of Christ? One reason is because change is hard work. Hard work. These people might have thought like this. I might have said, you know, uh, we were doing okay, Jesus, before you come. Yeah, we knew about this guy living among the tombs, but mainly he stayed over there at the tombs, and, and uh, we stayed away from him, he stayed away from us. Everything was okay until you come into our region here, and so, uh, you know, uh, would you just get on the boat and leave? Just much easier for us to just follow the same old course we've been following than to, to, to walk into uncharted territory of repentance and change and a new spiritual outlook. That could be why they were dismissing Jesus at this time. Or could it be this? Could it just be this simple? That they valued the swine more than their own soul? Somebody was doing a pretty good business with a herd of pigs of 2,000. 2,000. You ever heard of a stock? Have you ever heard of a stock market crash? This may be the very first one of those too. I mean, they 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 lost they lost their somebody lost their business in a hurry. It could be that they just couldn't take that. They were they were angry about it, maybe. But for one reason or another, they dismissed uh, Jesus. We need to guard our hearts that will not be obtuse, that will not be foolish, but we'll always want to serve and and want. We don't want to send our blessings away. That's the one thing we need to be guarded, guarded against. Let's not send our blessings away. Let's not send God away. The third lesson for this morning is 
Number three here. Oh, the people that Jesus uses. Oh, the people that Jesus uses. So, oh, the foolishness of worldly-minded people. Oh, the power of Jesus. But what about the people Jesus uses? Some people call this man the, the first missionary. Jesus' first missionary. I don't know about that, but he went from being like a maniac to a missionary. He was insane. Now he's in Christ. Jesus was sending this man. Now, a big part of being a missionary for Christ is that you love Christ. Okay. Now, while everybody else was wanting Jesus to get on the boat and leave their borders, leave the region, this man wanted to go with Jesus. The man who was healed of his demon possession, he wanted to go with Jesus. Jesus said, no, what I want you to do, what you need to do, you need to go home to your friends, your family, and tell them what God has done for you and how he has showed to you great mercy and compassion. And the man does this and he becomes very, very effective in doing this because other people want to glorify God as well. No training. He just went and did it. Just went and did it. Can't we do the same? Can't we look around and see how good the Lord has been to us, especially in regard to salvation in Christ, and just simply tell people what the Lord has done for us and how good He's been to us and how merciful He's been to us? Isn't that what people need to hear in the world? Isn't that the hope that they they long for? Oh, the people that Jesus uses. It's interesting. It's interesting. Who would have selected Saul of Tarsus? to be one of the main writers of the, of the New Testament and to be one of the great missionaries in those early days of the apostles. Who would have selected him? Oh, the people that Jesus uses to spread his word. We remember reading, we love to read John 4, and the, the lady who had five husbands and the one that she was with while she was talking with Jesus was not her husband. Pretty messed up life she had there. But she turned out to be one of the great light bearers. She, she, she just went and told people about the Lord, and here they come. All the people that Jesus uses, and if he can use all sorts of people, even with sordid backgrounds, I mean, think about it. This, this man with the demons. If you've been living in the, in the area of the Gadarenes, your mother would have told you, you better, I better not catch you near that cemetery. I better not catch you going even in the direction of that man. The man who had been scorned, the man everybody stayed away from, is now the man who is going to be the missionary for Christ. All oh, the people that, that Jesus uses. Wednesday night we've been studying in Job. Job's, Job's friends come and and they have advice for him, most of it not, not good. Not good. In fact, at the end of the book of Job, Job 42, verses 8 and 9, God is angered. He's, he's displeased with Job's friends. In fact, so displeased that they needed to make a sacrifice for their sins. So they're told to take seven rams and seven bullocks as a sacrifice and then go to Job. And he will pray for you. You go with this sacrifice and you go to Job. Now wait a minute. Who, who is Job? Job is the one who has suffered immensely. 
Just be truthful. What would you think of someone who lost as much as Job? Would you think of them being a missionary for the Lord? Would you think of them being a truth bearer for the Lord? But they are, these friends of Job are told to go to Job. Just think about that. How would Job look at this time? What would be the physical appearance of Job? He had been afflicted with a disease from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. And he had had to scrape so much of his body, so much of his skin, that it piled up on either side of him. This is the one that you're to go to. This is the man God is going to use for your salvation in me. All the people that Jesus uses to spread his word. The encouragement for us hopefully is if God can use any one of these and more, then certainly he wants to use us. Lesson number uh, four. Oh, the love that Jesus has for everyone. Oh, the love that Jesus has for everyone. Jesus is coming to this man and helping him with his demons because he wants to show us that he has the power over Satan. He wants us to, to know about the pathway that leads out of sin. 1 John 3 and verse 8 says, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. He did that out of love. He knew that he would need to sacrifice himself, but also leave his word with the apostles. He's doing all this because of his great love wherewith he loves us. I had asked Aaron to, to lead that song at Calvary. At Calvary. Years I spend in vanity and pride. Mercy was great for me. The reason that Jesus is casting out these demons is not just to show His power, power, but to show His love because He's taking care of Satan. He is showing there is a pathway away from sin. There is a pathway to salvation. Our final lesson this morning is Jesus goes only where He's invited. Last week we were discussing a little bit about decisions. We know this about the Lord. We have to decide to follow Him. These people wanted to dismiss Jesus. In fact, notice, this, notice the, uh, the words there in Mark 5. They, they, they said, we, we want you to leave our borders. And Jesus got on the boat. Where is He going? He's leaving. He only goes where He's invited. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, you know that the Lord said in regard to the church at in regards to the church at Laodicea, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any will open, we will come in to you and make our home with you. And you know, went on to say, To the him who overcomes, I'll give him a place to sit at my throne. But it starts with our decision to let the Lord in. Let the Savior in. So it's great to look at Jesus and the power He has and the love He, ha- the love he has for us and the power He has over Satan. Appreciate you working through this, this story with us. These stories are here for us to learn. We learn that Jesus is the Son of God. We learn that Satan has power but it can be overcome. We learn that The Lord has the power to help us in any of our problems, especially 
the problem of sin. We learn that if we don't choose the right way, our heart will become hardened. And we'll say no to Jesus when we ought to be saying yes. Can we help you with any, any religious, any spiritual problem you might have in your life this morning? Can we help you? We're about to sing a song of encouragement. Remember what Jesus says. He says, the reason I'm saying to this, this lame man, take up your bed and walk, so that everybody will know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. And He does. But we must come to Him. Let us repent of our sins. Let us be immersed in water for the remission of sins. Let us come back home to Him, confess our sins to Him, pray to Him. If we can help you in any way, please let that be known right now as we stand together and as we sing.